Welcome back to NerdGab. My name is Anil and I am the host and creator of the NerdGab community. Thank you for joining me again. I know it's been a rough year for everyone and I hope you're all doing well. But if you've come down with a case of the holiday blues or maybe you want to dive into something new to shake off the boredom of being locked up at home, why not follow me on social media? I'm always posting new things and getting into lengthy debates with the lovely people on the internet on all things nerdy. So don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at nerd underscore gab or on Instagram at nerdgab, where I post information and content that I don't normally cover in these podcasts. Now that I've got all of that out of the way, the topic of today's episode, uh, I can't I can't believe we're, we're still talking about this, is Disney. Oh, how much I have come to love Disney these past few years with every piece of hijinks and cringeworthy thing that they've been a part of, just making it so easy for people like me to find something to talk about. So why, you might ask? Why are we talking about Disney again? Well, this time it's to bring to light some of the ways Disney has proven that either their executive team and the people that are running their various projects under the Disney banner are either deliberately contradicting themselves or they're abandoning trying to appear like they were on a course correction after everything that transpired with the Star Wars franchise so far. So, back in 2009, Disney acquired Marvel for $4 billion. And I remember at the time, some of my friends who were huge Marvel fans thought this is going to be the end of Marvel because, according to them, some of Marvel's biggest titles were too dark and too gritty to be adapted fairly by Disney. You see, at the time, Marvel Studios had a huge lineup of titles that were in the works, and part of the deal with Disney was that they would not interrupt the comic side of the business, but that they would also not interrupt any of the deals that were already struck. This is why between 2009 and 2012 you had a number of marvel movies coming out that were not distributed by disney post acquisition and then finally in 2012 the first avengers movie was actually disney's first marvel movie to be distributed by disney studios either that was just perfect timing or disney cherry picked the shit out of that deal so that they get the biggest title debut Anyway, by the time that the first Avengers movie came out, Disney had already won over a lot of their naysayers, including my friends who thought that the Marvel-Disney deal was going to be the death of Marvel. So pretty much anyone that was saying that, you know, the, the Marvel deal is going to fall through or the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe is going to be over with because Disney's uh, taking it over and they're going to make it extremely childish and un... Um, unlike the comics, uh, was basically biting their tongue and, and eating their words because they were now loving the stuff that, that Disney was putting out because the first Avengers movie was a pretty big event. And right there is one of the major driving forces behind Disney's decision to acquire Marvel Studios. At the time, it was talked about by various media outlets during the whole negotiations process, but the word on the street was that Disney was looking for a way to attract and engage a more male audience. And with Marvel Studios seemingly on the search for financial backing, the pieces just seemed to fit. So for Disney, the acquisition makes total sense. Of course, 
this was after they got over their impressions that Marvel was too edgy and would tarnish their brand years before the deal had originally happened. So for those of you who don't know, Disney had once passed on the opportunity to buy Marvel pre to mid 2005s when Bob Iger had just become CEO. But a majority of the Disney executives at the time agreed that the Marvel brand was too edgy and it would tarnish the Disney brand. Fast forward to today and Disney's acquisition of Marvel remains one of the most lucrative assets with the MCU alone grossing over $22 billion. So at first they wanted to attract a male audience, but then they didn't want to tarnish their brand by acquiring Marvel. And then they changed their mind a few years later and made billions and billions of dollars because money talks. So now after the whole MCU Marvel acquisition by Disney, let's take a look at their approach to Star Wars. In the beginning, the news about Lucasfilm and Disney was received by a mostly positive fandom since the Marvel movies seemed to be doing better than expected and the other Disney titles like the Pirates films had already run their course. By 2005, Lucasfilm had finished their prequel trilogy which was met with mixed fan reactions but mostly the overall sense that the story had been complete. So with Disney owning Lucasfilm, there was only the hope that the Star Wars universe could be expanded and explored more with the power of Disney at the helm. And by explored more, I mean literally go into details and things that were not explored by George Lucas in his sixth movie saga. There was a real chance here to do something original and to take the universe and take the, the property of Star Wars and and really make it their own. Um, they could have literally done anything with within the universe of Star Wars and fans would still flock to the theaters and still buy the merchandise and still be fans of Star Wars under Disney's brand. So fast forward to 2015 and skipping over some of the animated titles, Disney brings Star Wars back to theaters with The Force Awakens, which was a continuation of the main saga. Right there, that should have been the first indication that things were headed for the toilet. Because like I mentioned earlier, Disney could have done literally anything they wanted. They could have created entirely new characters that weren't hollowed copies set in a time period centuries after the Lucas Saga, allowing them to create their own story. But instead, because they needed to ride the nostalgia train, they harped on the existing core audience who would bring the next generation of Star Wars fans to the fray. To summarize my point, Randy from South Park said it best. When the world is changing so fast, it makes us yearn for the old ways when life seemed simpler. But it doesn't mean those old ideas are good for us now. We have to face one hard reality as a country. The new Star Wars was not as good as everyone thought it was. Instead of a fresh new Star Wars, we want the old, just recycled and plopped in our tummies. You almost make it sound like J.J. Abrams is responsible. Yes, J.J. Abrams is responsible, but we're past that now. In our last episode, Death of a Franchise, it was proposed that the Disney trilogy is a byproduct 
of trying to please the fans with nostalgia and the old ways. But we know how Disney feels about the old ways. Because in Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi, we got this classic line right here. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. You're still holding on! Let go! I know these are out of context, but it's still pretty funny when you think about how it applies to so much that they've done with the franchise so far. You see, they couldn't resist dipping their hands back into the pot for more honey and it dug them deeper into the mess they found themselves in when Solo lost money. I went to see the Solo Star Wars story in theaters and it was empty. And to me, the sound of an empty theater with no annoying people and no people walking up and down and making noise and all that stuff sounds amazing. But to Disney, that is a clear indication that they needed to do some damage control. So following the Han Solo flop, they said they were going to pause their plans for Star Wars to revise and reapproach so that they can come back with something strong. Since 2015, Disney has aggressively put out new Star Wars movies almost every year and the company's CEO, Bob Iger, admitted to the New York Times that the plan might have been too much. In the interview, Iger said, and quote, I think we made and released too many Star Wars films over a short period of time. I have not said that they were disappointing in any way. I've not said that I'm disappointed in their performance. I just think that there's something so special about a Star Wars film and less is more. I just think that we might have put a little too much out into the marketplace too fast. And I think the storytelling capabilities of the company are endless because of the talent we have at the company. End quote. So that interview took place in 2019 and... They basically admitted that they recognize that they've fatigued the market and they put out too much uh, Star Wars property, Star Wars um, stuff, and that they need to revise their strategy. And that way they have uh, endless amount of stories that they can tell because of the talented people they have working at the company. But we know that they've let go so many directors. They've had so many talent changes because of the fact that they can't seem to agree with the talent that they've brought on. So are the story capabilities really endless or is it that they can't market or sell the stories that these storytellers want to tell? Following that interview and just after those statements, only a year later, Disney announced 10, 10 new Star Wars titles for their streaming service Disney Plus and theatrical release probably due to their newfound confidence with the success and positive reactions garnered by the fans of season two of the Mandalorian. Now, of course they'd be crazy not to ride the wave, especially when it seems like they're on the verge of rebuilding fan confidence in their star Wars franchise. But why, why does it feel like they're not really looking to do anything new and bold? If you're wondering what I mean, consider what happened with their sequel trilogy. Rather than start a fresh new saga, they harped on the old familiar strings and butchered the story to a point of no return. That part is undeniable. The Disney Star Wars sequel saga is utter trash. And there's even rumor now that with the upcoming series and the way that they're taking the franchise that they might be looking to rid that franchise from existence or overwrite it by doing some sort of alternate reality story or version for this new wave of stuff that's coming out. So 
out of five feature films, the only good Disney Star Wars movie was Rogue One. And despite the fact that Solo lost money and there were a number of production obstacles with the directors being let go and the script being rewritten, Solo wasn't actually a terrible movie. I think it just suffered from being the movie that came after Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. Imagine, imagine being a director who was given the reins of a Star Wars movie only to destroy and defied a fan base. But even after firing the directors who would go on to win Best Animated Feature for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Ron Howard, director of Apollo 13 and Beautiful Mind, was brought on to finish the movie and even he couldn't save Solo. And I still think Solo wasn't a terrible movie even after all of that. The only thing that I didn't really like was I didn't like how they gave him his last name. And I didn't like how they portrayed the, the Kessel Run, which is, you know, iconic Han Solo myth that they just kind of brushed over. So it doesn't really matter what talent they bring on, really. In the end, it, it just really matters what they want to do with the franchise, what kinds of stories they want to tell and who they want to tell these stories to. So I, so I mentioned that with Solo losing money and, and Disney trying to do some damage control after the fact that uh, a big budget star wars branded movie couldn't bring in the, the millions of dollars that they were expecting you would think that someone at disney would be like hey let's stay away from the original saga let's let's do something fresh and revitalize the franchise with new material and new characters and new lore just like with rogue one and solo they decided to come up with 10 more stories that are stuck within that timeline let's look at the entire lineup of Disney's Star Wars properties. In 2015, you start off with The Force Awakens, which is set 30 years after The Return of the Jedi, and it serves as a sequel to Episode 6. Then in 2015, they came out with Rogue One, which again is uh, set between the events of Episode 3 and Episode 4, which is still within the timeline of the main saga. Then in 2017, they came out with The Last Jedi, which was a sequel to The Force Awakens, and again, set within the timeline of the main saga. Then in 2018, they came out with Solo, Star Wars Story, which was set somewhere between Episode 3 and Episode 4, possibly before Rogue One, again, still set within the timeline of the main saga. Then in 2019, they came out with The Rise of Skywalker, which serves as a sequel to The Last Jedi, supposedly ending the main Skywalker saga. Side note, no actual Star Wars fan acknowledges that this is the end of the saga. For us, it's 1 to 6, baby. And then finally, as of 2019, The Mandalorian, which takes place Five years after the return of the Jedi, but before The Force Awakens, which means, you guessed it, it is still set within the timeline of the main saga. Now let's look at the lineup of shows that they just announced and where they fit within the lore of Star Wars. So up first we have the Ahsoka Tano series, which again is set within the timeline of The Mandalorian, meaning that it is still within the timeline of the main saga. 
This story will likely follow Ahsoka's journey after the Clone Wars series, which, by the way, you guessed it, is again set within the timeline of the main saga. Next on the list, they announced Andor, a series literally no one asked for, which will follow Cassian, and this takes place before Rogue One, again set within the timeline of the main saga. Cassian was the uh, male protagonist or side character from Rogue One, who we know dies at the end of the movie. So why, why would anybody want to see this? Next on their list of announcements was the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which was supposed to be a feature film that will now be released as a series with Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen reprising their roles of Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. And in this series, they're promising that a rematch will occur between Obi-Wan and Anakin slash Darth Vader, which is set 10 years after the events of Revenge of the Sith, but before A New Hope. Wait a minute. Remember when Vader and Obi-Wan meet in A New Hope? I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil, Darth. This iconic line will now be rendered useless because we now know that they will not only meet again 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, but why would Darth Vader tell Obi-Wan this line on their second time meeting? Again, just illuminating the fact that Disney has no idea what they're doing and they're constantly destroying the old lore by overriding it with their stupid ideas. Anyway, moving on, next we have The Bad Batch, which follows the ragtag team of clone misfits that were coded or cloned differently than the entire rest of the clone army. There was an episode in the Clone Wars that featured them, and this was supposed to be the launching point for the seventh season. Uh, this story should take place somewhere between the Clone Wars and A New Hope. As we see in the trailer, Palpatine is still announcing the formation of the Galactic Empire. And the next one that they announced was the Rangers of the New Republic, which again, set within the timeline of the Mandalorian, um, again, which is also in the timeline of the main saga after Return of the Jedi, but before The Force Awakens, this story will likely follow Cara Dune's character or her squad before meeting up with the Mandalorian. Another one of the announcements included something called Star Wars Visions, which is described as a series of animated shorts in the style of Japanese anime. And this will likely be anywhere between or before the main saga. And since I'm an anime fan, I'm sort of looking forward to this one as there are some YouTube fan made stuff that is anime style that is actually pretty good. But Disney will somehow find a way to not make their product or their story or whatever it is that they're planning to do with Star Wars Visions as remotely good as some of the stuff that the fans are making. Another one of the announcements that they made included a feature film called Rogue Squadron, which is to be directed by the Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins and will likely be the Star Wars version of Top Gun. And I'm betting that it will take place somewhere between episodes 4 and 7 because not much is known about this project so far. But I'm also willing to bet that it's probably going to star a female protagonist who is overlooked by her squad and has a tragic backstory of either her family or homeworld being oppressed by a male general in the Galactic Empire, and she will be the reason that their insignia is a phoenix. I don't know, I'm just, I'm just guessing here. 
Next on the announcements they made included something called A Droid Story, which is a forthcoming animated television movie scheduled to premiere on Disney+, Plus, probably to sell toys. The film will feature a new character that is guided by R2-D2 and C-3PO. Hey, remember that remember that adventure that R2-D2 and C-3PO went on? What was it called again? Oh yeah, the entire Star Wars saga. When did they have time to go on some next adventure with a new character? Like, what what is this? It's like, at, at this point, they're pretty much just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. Ay ay ay. Anyway... Next on their list of announcements included a series called Lando, which will obviously follow Lando Calrissian and is still in the early stages of development as Lucasfilm has yet to provide any details on this project, including whether or not Billy D. Williams or Donald Glover, who have played Lando in the movies, uh, will reprise their role in the series. Um, this will likely take place between episodes three and five while trying to connect to um, the solo movie. So this one, I don't know this. I don't know who's asking for this, but we'll see how it goes. And probably the only one that I'm looking forward to on this entire list of things that they're they're announcing is this series that they've got coming called Star Wars Acolyte. And the description basically says that it is a mystery thriller that will take place somewhere between uh, 300 or 200 years before uh, the events of the Skywalker saga during the High Republic era. And will fo focus on the secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic. So this one is sort of along the lines of something that I would be looking forward to because of the fact that they're, they're going so far away from the skywalker saga but in uh, unfortunately they're going the opposite direction i would have preferred they went forward but in this case they're going backwards it's fine at least it's so far away from the skywalker saga that it it promises to be different and for anyone that has tuned in and followed up or caught up on the mandalorian season two um, there was a tiny little reference or nod to an, another series which has been blasted on the internet ever since, so it doesn't really count as a spoiler, but they announced uh, a series called The Book of Boba Fett, which will follow Boba Fett and his new sidekick Fennec Shand, which will be a separate series running alongside The Mandalorian and possibly intersect with some of the shows that they've already announced. Um, and is not supposed to be like season three of The Mandalorian. This is going to be an entirely separate show. So we're going to have two Mandalorians, uh, two, you know, bounty hunter, two characters looking pretty much the same, but very different series. Uh, I don't even know what the, the idea or the pitch was for this, but, you know, at this point, just throw it and see what sticks. And finally, there is a rumor I don't know how true this one is, but there's a rumor that there will be uh, a Luke Skywalker series following the hype and buzz around Luke's return in The Mandalorian. And and don't, you know, scream and shout about there being spoilers. I mean, if you know when The Mandalorian is set, now that I've, I've outlined it for you up in the beginning or near the middle of this podcast, you'll know The Mandalorian takes place between the events of Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. So we know Luke is alive. So there is a high chance that he's going to pop back into whatever series fall within that timeline. This just rides that same wagon of them riding the nostalgia train to bring characters back to 
the Star Wars franchise so that the old fans will return and continue to watch and purchase uh, Star Wars product and merchandise. And then in addition to all of the shows that they've announced, they have also got other properties like their um, some of their cartoons and, you know, the video games, especially like Jedi Fallen Order, which came out uh, a, lot, a year ago, I think, uh, which takes place shortly after the Revenge of the Sith. And then there was a flight simulator game called Rogue Squadron, which is set after the return of the Jedi, both of which are set again within the timeline of the main saga. So what all of these titles have in common is the fact that one, they're all tied within the same story. Uh, they're all tied to the main saga, but it's mostly a lack of creative vision because while Disney has the ability to choose and do whatever they can or whatever they want with these with this material, this franchise, they can't seem to stay away from keeping it stuck within the saga. They, they can't even build around the universe that they've created with the sequels. They just keep keep going back to, you know, in between stories or things that are happening while other things are going on in the main saga that we don't really care for. And the, and the thing is, if you took all of these stories that were meant to expand the universe and they only expanded in a very limited way, if you were to remove them from the timeline completely, it would have zero to little impact on this overall story. So the real question is, why why even waste time doing them? And the answer for that is because it's a safe, plunder-filled cash cow. That is the reason that they won't shy away from doing a Luke Skywalker series or doing a Boba Fett series or having these characters pop back up. It's, it's simply because it sells and they need to sell in order to make their streaming service popular and to make their streaming service survive and to keep the fans buying the products. Now, I know what you might be saying. You might be saying, well, Anil, Disney is making these things because of the fans. People want to see these stories and it's not like they're not going to make money. And you'd be absolutely right about Disney making money, that is, because... They're not making these things for the fans. As we know with Disney, thanks to their treatment of the fans in the past, and as illustrated by a frustrated Mark Hamill, the fans don't really matter. When you make edgy, you know, bold decisions like you did in, in this movie, how worried are you that you might also piss off people? That are, Can I just say, though, a lot of times I would say to Ryan, we got to think about the fans. And he said no. That was just one of many attempts that Mark Hamill tried to make to convey to the fans that these things that we were going to see in this Disney sequel saga was not something that he signed up for and it's not something that he agrees with, but by contract, he is obliged to see it through. He says that he said to Ryan Johnson, you know, we have to think about the fans and Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy and whoever else was involved basically said no. That they have to think about the movie that they want to make and who they're, who, what story that they want to tell. And that's really unfortunate because in any other business, the customer, in this case the fans, would usually be considered king. But all of that's over with now and we're through the thick of it. And I can't be totally cynical because the sad truth is, like millions of fans, I actually want to see these things being made. The issue is, 
the people making the things we want to see seem to have next to no care for the material or the fans whose money they want. But in the rarest occasions, by some miracle or by the intervention of the fandom gods themselves, Disney will actually make something watchable because sometimes they get it right. And if I'm being totally honest, The Mandalorian has me feeling optimistic, but not because Disney slapped on the label. I'm optimistic about The Mandalorian because of the fact that Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau are heading the project, while remembering that they still have to answer to the powers that be, and those powers that be don't factor in the fans. I guess we'll just have to wait and see if I'm right or wrong, and like the dozens of Amazon boxes sitting on my floor, I'm going to wrap this episode up by saying Disney is going to exhaust the Star Wars franchise until it's unrecognizable by its core fans. But as a friend of mine says, maybe there will be a few good gems that come with the trash. And for that, I'm a little hopeful. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And if you liked what you heard, please make sure to check out my other episodes. Follow me on Twitter at nerd underscore gab and on Instagram at nerdgab. Or maybe you want to be a guest on future episodes. So let's connect and talk about all things nerdy. Have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and may the Force be with you.